Welcome to the Self-Talk Radio Show. Mind-changing radio. Welcome to Self-Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer, and my guest is the co-author of Softening the Grief, What to Say and Do to Comfort a Bereaved Mother, Joan Markwell. Welcome to the show, Joan. Well, thank you so much, Sarah Spencer. First of all, tell a bit about your story of, of what happened with your daughter. Well, unfortunately, my daughter, Cindy, was diagnosed uh, with a cancer uh, that she fought for nine months. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, it was a battle that uh, she could not beat. And uh, so I joined uh, what I call in a book a secret society of mourners mm. that walked this earth uh, in a little world of our own that uh, until you join that society is uh, pretty hard for others to understand. Others join it every day, and until you are a part of that group, it is so hard to get us or understand us and know what to do with us or comfort us. It's a journey that so many of us experience and need from our friends and relatives so much, but unfortunately, others don't know how to give that support or that comfort or that compassion. And so this book is a way to reach out to others to give that back to us. And why do you think so many people say the wrong thing when speaking to to someone who's grieving? Uh, Because I think we're creatures of habit, and we're so changed that you don't know what to do with us. And we look back, we look toward the same old cliches and sayings that we use time and time again. And I think that's one reason we gravitate toward Uh, others like us, and that's one reason we wrote this book, because we gravitate to people that do get us, others that have lost their children. What were some of the uh, phrases that really we should avoid saying? You're not the same. I don't want to mention your your child because it'll make you cry. Uh, Be glad you have other children. Uh, You're not the first mother who lost a child. Uh, time heals all wounds. God had a plan. I wouldn't survive if I lost one of my children. Uh, yeah. It just goes on and on and on. I think the main problem is we try to make it, and not necessarily every time, but say, I wouldn't survive if I lost one of my children. What you're doing there is you're turning it into something about yourself. Yeah. And not about the other person. Yes. Right. Right. One of the phrases that came up to me, I lost my mother when, um, when I was younger and Mm -hmm. one of them was, Oh, I guess you were leaved. And (laughs) now, and, and I am going to, I'm relieved that she's out of pain. I'm relieved that, you know, it's, it's over that chapter of her suffering is over but what is a way yeah. that you could turn that phrase around so that it offers comfort instead of this total disdain? Right. Yeah. Well, the, 
I'll, I'll answer that, but let me tell you how you can, let me ask you how you can say, I can't imagine this happening to me. Mm. You could say, I could never imagine the pain you're feeling. Yeah. You say, I, be, I, I want to be here for you to help carry the load. You know, anything like that, just don't turn it around and make it about yourself. As soon as you do that, we'll, we'll shut down. When your daughter yeah. passed, what were some of the things people said to you that brought you the most comfort? I'm going to say that the things that brought me the most comfort were the simplest things. You know, I never was a touchy-feely person, but now I'll take all the hugs I can get. The things that helped me the most were the ones that showed the most compassion. And I think one of the best things was when a friend of mine just sat down on the sidewalk with me, and we both just sat there bawling like babies. You have to remember that our pain is going to last for a long, long time. And it's just like all the food that's brought in in the beginning, all of that diminishes very quickly. Our pain is not like that. So when think of it in terms like this, you know, bring coffee, bring paper plates, uh, uh, bring the paper towels, things that last a long time. And like our pain, we need a little bit for a short time and a lot and, uh, and, I should, and a little, we need a lot for a long time. So the one, we need uh, like a rescuer sometimes. When we go to parties, family gatherings, things like that, and we begin to feel uncomfortable because our loved one is not there or it's a special thing that they should have, you know, that would relate to them. If you could sidle up to us and ask us if we're okay, you know, be a rescuer. Make sure that we're comfortable in those events because you, we're, we're, we're petrified at some of those events because they're not there and we're missing them. And this would have been so special to have them. Or maybe it's a graduation from high school and our child would have been there on that graduation podium. Mm. Uh, and that leads me yeah. to a question. Do you invite you know, the, the parent of a child to a graduation, if their child was in that graduating class would, I mean, I can imagine that that would be awkward for some parents to extend that invitation. How would that be received and how would it be delivered to give it the most meaning and give it the most respect? I think that an invitation is okay it's kind of like putting a toe in the water. You, when, you ask, when you ask that, you ask it with compassion. You know, I, I know that your feelings for your daughter or your son, you know, this may not be something that, would, that you feel that you could attend at this time, but you are more than welcome and leave it at that. If, if they want to come, they'll come. They may sit in the very back, and that's okay. And a lot of times I have to park my car at the very back 
because I may not be able to stay through the whole thing. Right. And that's something that you need to think about, parking the burn back. And two grieving parents who are going through this, how would they respond to an invitation? I, I guess it's individual. Every person is different. Absolutely. How did you react if you were invited to something that was typically having your daughter there and she's not there anymore? You also have, she had two children, your grandchildren. How do you mm-hmm. carry that on so that those children continue moving forward in their lives? I mean, when you lose a parent, it's either going to make you or break you, one or the other, and make you a value life so much more uh, because you realize how precious and how precarious it can be. How did you move forward with your grandchildren after the loss of your daughter? Well, my grandchildren were fairly young. They're still young. And kids are pretty resilient, and they had a loving family around them. And I can say they are the best things that kept me moving forward. Uh, We just returned last week from a week in Orlando, and I came back feeling refreshed. When I'm around them, it's like all my worries just shed away. They do more for me than anything else. So I, their kids are, are are better at this than adults. I I think, and one of the best things that that I have noticed is the way a kid will come up and hug you and say something. And if adults could revert back to uh, the actions of a kid, because kids are so innocent and they say the nicest things and they don't worry about right or wrong or politically correct or right. <laughs> they just come out. It's <laughs> they just, just love. Come out and they say the, the best things. So, yeah. uh, you know, of course, you know, as they grow, you know, I know that uh, things are going to change for them, but right now, all is good for them, and, uh, you know, you just try to be a little more motherly for them, and, and right now, I think they're in a good place, and they make me in a good place when I am around them. Yeah. We're speaking with the co-author of Softening the Grief, What to Say and Do to Comfort a Bereaved Mother. Joan Markwell is our guest. Now, some people may just avoid having a conversation altogether with a bereaved person. Um, Now, is that better or worse? Oh, that's absolutely the worst. You know, when you're in the grocery store or something and uh, people kind of, you know, sleek by you because... They don't know what to do or say or what to do. And and we notice that. Uh, Don't do that. At least come up and give a hug. Um, You know, one of the things that was said to me, and I appreciate it, someone just came up and just said, I have no words. You know, Mm -hmm. that's okay. If you don't know what to say, it's okay. That's better than, you know, just winking by. And no acknowledgement at all. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about... going back to what you said, uh, and that's one of the things in my book, I I guess you are relieved. Yeah. You know, uh, 
that's what they said to me, you know, and that, that haunts me. You know, even though they suffered, uh, we never felt, you know, a feeling of relief. You know, I would have taken care of her, you know, no matter the condition of her body. Just, you know, another hour, another day. I, it didn't matter because mothers are selfish when it comes to their children. We'll do anything to keep them with us. And we just kept waiting for a miracle, you know, that never came. And you're right. There was, there is no pain for them now, but we're never glad that they're gone. Never. There's just never any relief. So, you know, they could say this, you know, I'm so sorry that your child had to go through so much, but with you by, you know, their side, I'm sure you made it better for them during that difficult time. That turns the whole thing around to a more positive and loving and caring thing to say. What about memories of your daughter? If people came up and and told you a memory, was that welcome or is that more painful for, for you as a bereaving mother? That is absolutely the best. And again, um, our book is written from the foremother's perspective, but we talk to dozens and dozens and dozens of mothers under every circumstance, and it doesn't matter the nationality, the beliefs, whether they're the, the circumstances of the death, nothing matters. All it boils down to is every mother loves her child. So we wrote this book on the basis of, aha, you felt this way, and we had a common denominator. And because the situation, grieving, expands so many different venues and areas, there's no way to cover them all. But for the most part, everyone wants to know that their child is remembered. So again, it's like putting the toe in the sand. If you mention that child's name and the mother's eyes light up, or sometimes she might even cry, but they're tears of remembrance. All of us, the majority, way, I mean the biggest majority, love to hear their children's name. That is what perpetuates the thoughts and the memories and everything that this book is written about. It carries on everything that our children missed in their life, and that's their life. My guest is Joan Markwell. She's the co-author of Softening the Grief, What to Say and Do to Help a Bereaved Mother. When we come back, we're going to ask about exactly what to say, what does a mother want to hear after the loss of their child next on Self Talk Radio Show. Can't sleep? Try this. Sleep Meditation offers soothing meditations to help you sleep like a baby and awaken what's inside. All you have to do is choose the meditation you want to listen to from our library at sleepmeditation.org. Click play and enjoy. If you want to keep the recording, purchase the downloads you want. Plus, Sleep Meditation offers specials on motivational pieces that help you start positive change, stop bad habits, or sleep like a baby. sleepmeditation.org. 
Welcome back to Self Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer. My guest is Joan Markwell, the co-author of Softening the Grief, What to Say and Do to Help a Bereaved Mother. So what does a mother want to hear, Joan? We want to hear about them from now on. Share your stories. Tell us anything you can about them. We want to live their life through your stories. So yes, yes, yes. Talk about our children. Absolutely. And you you mentioned something about saying their name, hearing your child's name. Uh, oh, yes, it's music. Yeah, because I just... That didn't dawn on me that, but you're right. You know, when, when I hear my own mother's name, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I perk my ears up extra uh, just to hear that name again. So uh, saying the right thing, often our efforts to console just make things worse. <laughs> uh, you know, you yeah, stick your foot in it. Totally, totally unintentionally. Everybody has good intentions. Mm. And I, you know, my, one of my co-writers is my my sister-in-law. I lost my niece at 22 in a terrible car accident. Oh. And so when I lost her, I thought I knew there all the right things to do. And until I lost my own daughter, did I realize that I didn't have a clue. So I was one of those people out there until I became one of these people in this book. So, uh, you know, we all walk both sides. So this is a book, not a sadness or preaching or it's a book to bring about enlightenment. So everybody walks away taking goodness from it because you can make our journey and it's so simple. All you have to do is take these old things and cliches and trash them and start over or turn them around and take these suggestions in your book. Our grieving journey could be made so much easier and so and and we wouldn't have to revert to finding new friends because we've creeped you out because we're just such different people. You would understand why. If you just just make everything uh, just so compassionate, people. I mean, we're so changed, and, and that's why we again wrote this book is because we are so passionate about getting people to understand us, so that fewer people have to go through what we went through. You don't have to. It's simple. Just take everything and turn it around into a positive, not a negative. Mm. And we could use that advice on our social media, too. <laughs> not a, there's not a lot of compassion out there. Yeah. And that's one of the things in our, in our book. You know, people want to know the details of the death. I'm like, you know, Holy Christmas, you know, Everything is, even on social media, you know, it's, uh, the tragedies are all, uh, you know, that's, that's what draws attention. And people, you know, they ask about that. And you're like, you know, those are mine. 
And if I want to share those, I'll do that on my time with people that I trust yeah. with. Yes. That's not yours to ask about. And how do you, what's your take on people using social media for their grieving process? I just wondered what, what your thoughts are on that. And what way? Well, you know, if if someone has had a loss and they're reaching mm-hmm. out to social media and putting posting it up on social media and expecting a compassionate response, they may be sorely disappointed. And I just oh, wondered, absolutely. do you do you have any uh, offerings for people who want to type the right thing, if you will? what are some things that they might be able to say to that person who's grieving? And especially if it's someone you don't know really well, you know, what, what is the appropriate thing to say? I would be, I would be so frightened to post something on social media without, um, uh, I don't know because I, you know, I'd be scared to death of what I would get back. Mm. Because just in a conversation with my own friends and relatives, I've been totally freaked out by what responses I've gotten back. So I can't imagine what responses people in in. I would not want anyone to be hurt by what they got back in response to a loss so grievous to them and then to be hurt further by a response back from social media. And every time there's a loss in the news, uh, you know, just like uh, the loss of our servicemen just recently, you know, uh, you know, that that just strikes me. You know, and there is no bannering back and forth because it's not a social media as much as it is a news. And so there's no back and forth conversation between, uh, you know, like a Twitter or something like that. Well, and you're but also parents, missing, you're, you're also missing that physical intimacy, that the element, the, the hug, the look in the eye, right. the the subtle right. body language that is totally right. missed in mm-hmm. a social media engagement. And if I see someone who's had a loss on social media, I, I will always say, you know, my, my best thoughts and prayers are with you or, you know, yeah, something exactly. to, to something to, to say, but it always feels so pat and so uh, generic, <laughs> if you will, that right. I, I much prefer to see someone face to face, but then, you know, you've, you've got the anxiety of, oh my goodness, I, I hope I don't overstep my bounds. Maybe she doesn't want a hug. Maybe, you know, do you ask to give a hug or that's where no, you can really no, no, step no. in it, it too. You know, just, just, just reach out, reach out with your hands and just slowly pull them in. And if they've got boundaries to set, they'll stop there. But go for the, you know, Reach out, reach out. And you've got to remember this. When, when someone has lost someone, as close, especially a child, you can ask us to go place, and I will, right off the bat, we're going to say no. We're going to hide. 
you're not even going to answer the phone. And there are still days I don't answer the phone. You have to keep, and that's why I say it takes a long, long time. You have to keep reaching out to us. Because the first few times, we're probably going to say no. Because for some reason, we're scared to go out in public. So you have to keep calling. And don't tell us to call you when we're ready. We're never ready then. So it's up to you to keep reaching out. So That's great advice. Joan Markwell, co-author of Softening the Grief, What to Say and Do to Comfort Bereaved Mother. Thank you so much for being on the show, Joan. Well, it's my pleasure. um... This program has been a production of Hall Communications, Burlington, Plattsburgh.